This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige and engineering first. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello, welcome to a very, very special episode of the world's best construction podcast coming to you live from San Diego, California, guys. It's a hard life, isn't it? I'm over in California. There's palm trees, there's beach, there's sunshine. It's everything you would have wanted. It's everything you'd imagine it to be. Uh, This episode is sponsored by Bluebeam, which is just as well because we're at Bluebeam's conference over here uh, in San Diego, XCon 2022. I'm joined by the usual lineup, guys. So I've got uh, the B1M's... Head of Content Partnerships, Liam Marsh, who's not in Sydney, Australia. He's here on the ground with me in San Diego. We've got a very special guest, Mike Landers from Bluebeam. And then, unfortunately, we've left behind Luke in Basildon. Sorry, mate. Um, you wouldn't <laughs> like it here anyway, to be honest. No. Yeah, you can, have t- no. you can have too many palm trees. Yeah, know? I've heard that. I'm good. I'm good with my Greggs and looking out my window at trains going by. You know, I'm happy with that. That's all I wanted in life, mate. So I'm really good. sorry about this. We will get you a foreign trip, I promise, promise. <laughs> All right. uh, now, <laughs> ladies and gents, we have got a very exciting guest with us, Mr. Mike Landers. How you hey. doing, mate? I'm so glad to be here, Fred, Liam, Luke. This is just an honor. You guys, uh, what you're doing with the B1M is just an inspiring you know, endeavor, and I'm just honored to be a part of it. I'm happy to be here down here in San Diego. Like you say, palm trees. We're here at the harbor. We're here for XCon and Bluebeam. Glad to be here. Let's have some fun. Fantastic. What we guys can't see is we've got two very muscular men stood either side of Mike, making sure he says nice things about the B1M. Um, yeah, that, I, that is actually a fact. Uh, what did you say? Say it again. Oh, I love the B1M. Okay, that's, that's the way I was supposed to say it. <laughs> no, uh, no, no I, had, uh, I had a long, long journey over here uh, on Sunday. I think it was Sunday. It kind of bled into Monday as well. I was awake for like 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mr. Liam Marsh came over ahead of me, he came over as part of my kind of advanced security detail, you know, to make sure the road closures were in place, the crowd barriers were up, the sniffer dogs mm-hmm. had done their thing. Mm-hmm. How was your, uh, how's your journey, Liam? Long, mate. Very, <laughs> very long. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's worth it in the end. It's my, um, my first trip the usa actually so i'm popping my usa cherry being here being here in san diego on the ground um yeah so it's all worth it just loving it to be honest mate i, I was kind of really excited to see liam because i haven't seen him for like eight months in the flesh so it was really really nice to get to see him gave him a big hug but within about an hour he was kind of annoying me and i'm like yeah, mm, yeah we're bickering back to sydney like an old married couple <laughs> <laughs> it's great to Listen, see you though, <laughs> to be Spoke walking to down the street in in San Diego and headed to a taco place, and then to literally run into you guys the first night I got in, I couldn't believe it. I heard your voice, Fred, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" And I turned around, and then to find out, Liam, it's your first trip, yeah. first tacos, first just taco. so good. Yeah. So glad to have you. Yeah, thanks, Mike. It's awesome. It's awesome. How how are you, Luke? How's, how's it going, mate? Over in Melbourne? Yeah, yeah, not not jealous at all. 
Um, I'm fine. I mean, I had a curry last night. So, you know, if anything, I think that's better than Mexican food. So <laughs> I'm challenge. happy. <laughs> <laughs> There's the debate. There's the first debate of the B1M podcast. There yeah. it is. There we go. No, team no, tacos no. versus team curry. Here we go. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm super jealous. You guys are going to have a great time uh, over there in San Diego. And I'm looking forward to uh, this week's content, mate. We've got some juicy stuff to talk about. We have. We've got some lovely mm. stuff coming up. Um, I've got a couple bits of breaking news from the past week for you. Um, there's been We had a really good film shoot down in Shoreditch for the B1M, which I've, you've probably seen some pictures on my social media. It was a bit edgy. It's very Shoreditch, very kind of, you know, but very different with B1M. We had overhead cameras. We had a full lighting rig. It was, it was cool. So there's a video we're making on that, which is coming out. I went straight from that into my very long travel day on Sunday. Uh, so I flew on a British Airways A380 to Chicago. Oh. I, I was sitting upstairs. It was the best... One of the wow. best experiences of my entire life. So alongside being a construction <laughs> geek, I'm also an aviation geek, uh, and that was epic. I then, it, it kind of, the journey went downhill from the moment I arrived in America. Sorry, Mike, but... Uh, what can I say? Through, <laughs> getting through that airport was fine. I found myself running through Chicago Airport through the very same section where they run in Home Alone 2, where they're trying to make their plane. Um, and to be honest, we're, that's O'Hare Airport, and that is one of the longest, like east and west. I think St. Louis might be the longest. So you did a legit sprint there, my friend. Yeah. So in sub two hours, I collected my baggage, checked, well checked it in again, changed terminals, and got on a plane, and then came down to San Diego. So yeah, it was uh, it was. I did my cardio for the day. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> you earned the tacos. That's how it is. I did. I did. <laughs> um, we've all had an interesting journey to get here, but let's let's get into the content. So this week, guys, we have got uh, why you can't drive to this IKEA store, which went out on tomorrow's build back on Tuesday. Also in the news is a really really good section this week. We have got eighteen Blackfriars, another new skyscraper proposed for London. And also the downtown circle, a pretty interesting concept proposed for Dubai. Uh, if you thought the line was crazy, wait till you get a load of this. We've also got a funny comment of the week and your emails. Let's go. So first up this week, guys, is why you can't drive to this IKEA store. Now, as you might imagine, this is about an IKEA project. New, uh, it's called IKEA West Bahnhof in Vienna, opened back in 2019. Beautiful, beautiful building designed to resemble an IKEA bookcase, and it can be like an IKEA bookcase, adapted and rearranged over time. So it's kind of this very beautiful white building with like this white exoskeleton frame around it. And the idea is that the building spaces, the retail spaces, can be expanded or kind of cut out of that over time. The building can adapt over time. There's trees, there's kind of furniture on it. We've got some pictures up on our Instagram as well, but it's also over on, obviously, over on the Tomorrow's Build YouTube channel. Beautiful, beautiful building. But the interesting bit of it is that you cannot drive to this store. So unlike many IKEA stores, which I think you know we're probably pretty familiar with, are these kind of very big blue and yellow buildings, kind of out of town or in a retail park somewhere. This one's very different. It's in a city center, no car parking. And the idea is that IKEA wants to encourage a more sustainable shopping experience. Now, if you are buying a double bed and wardrobes, it's all good because they will deliver those to your home. You haven't got to try and get it back on the tube or in, you know, on, on your on your bike. <laughs> uh, as funny as that would be. Um, and the idea of this is that they're going to try and take more cars off the roads uh, in our cities. They want to kind of break the link between having to drive to their stores and switch the focus more onto deliveries, which is pretty groundbreaking stuff. Absolutely. Obviously, 
taking cars off the roads in our cities means less CO2, better air quality, less congestion. Um, yeah, what did you guys think of this video? I thought it was amazing. I mean, I think, again, you're talking about a leader in retail experience when you're talking Ikea. I've never been to one until I had moved to LA. And it's not a transactional situation. You walk all the way through the store, you see everything. So this is kind of a a step I would almost expect them to take in a certain way, but was blown away by some of the environmental impact. They mentioned that the trees growing on the structure, right, reduce the building temperature by two degrees. I thought that was pretty phenomenal myself. Yeah, that's pretty awesome stuff. Pretty awesome stuff. That's how, that's how they get you, Ikea. They make you walk around the whole thing and you come out it's, with stuff you didn't even know you wanted. It's like, the, you, you start with the meatballs and you walk out with a oh, couch yeah. and a whole dresser, <laughs> wardrobe. They Absolutely. get you with the meatballs. Yeah. The market hall. The market hall <laughs> is the one. Yes. I, I think the meatballs themselves are just worth the trip and the house to Ikea, right? I, I've mm-hmm. done that many times just, just yep. on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. I'm just like, let's go get some uh, Ikea meatballs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Cheap date, isn't it? Cheap oh, date. Yeah. I've actually, right? I kid you not, I actually have some of those bad boy meatballs in my freezer right now. <laughs> of course you do, man. I'm not joking, as well as the gravy, because you've got to have the gravy and the, of course. Uh, and the uh, lingonberry sauce, you know. Oh, man, so good. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, so, this is so typical of Ikea, isn't it? Um, and I think it's just a right step in uh, – it's a step in the right direction and a step in the in, into the future, I think, mm. because – I think more and more people, especially if you're living in cities, you know, this isn't going to appeal to, mm-hmm. you know, lots of people right now, but that doesn't mean in the future, this won't make a lot more sense to your everyday person. If you're living in the, like the middle of London, right, or, you know, any part of London, I think the closest Ikea for you to go to is like Lakeside, which is kind of on the London-Essex border, or Tottenham in northeast London. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that is a pain to get to. If you live in anywhere else, and I could be wrong, there might be another one r- somewhere, like Croydon, near you, mate. Fred. I just is it got Croydon? Shout out, shout out to the Croydon, like here. I've, yeah. Many, oh, yeah, many. Yeah. All <laughs> south of the river. You know, it doesn't count, does it? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, like, I, I, you know, it's, it, it is difficult. It really is difficult. And I liked the idea that you can go into this store and you can pick anything you want. And if you can take it home, that's great. But if you want a bigger bit of furniture, like a sofa, like a wardrobe, they'll go, oh, yeah, don't worry. We'll just deliver it. Yeah. You know, it just- it's more dangerous, isn't it? Because you're going to end up with more stuff, I reckon. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, absolutely. that's the only thing. Do you have room at your home for yeah. everything you're going to find and bring yeah. back? Uh, and, and they said, too, I believe that they're doing one in Oxford Street, which when I went out to the UK for my first time for one of our Bluebeam conferences at XCon, uh, we were in Marylebone. So I walked... Obviously, the Oxford Strip saw all the shops and everything, and it would definitely fit in an area like that because obviously it's just heavy foot traffic. You you wouldn't want to drive there, that's for sure. You know, you just want to kind of get out and see. So, no, Oxford Street's horrendous. It's like the it's it's kind of one of my least favorite bits of London. It's kind of there's too many people, there's too many shops, it's too overwhelming, and it's particularly bad at Christmas. Um, oh, I can imagine. Out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's good actually. I think the the idea of an, an IKEA store on Oxford Street makes sense. You know, it's they say it's, mm-hmm. it's a naturally walkable location anyway. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, one thing I found interesting was this area in Vienna was meant to be carless at one point, right? It was proposed. It didn't actually go through, but IKEA remained committed to this idea of a car- a carless shop, right? And what is interesting is. I'm pretty sure there's a similar proposal for Oxford Street, isn't there? Or at least parts of Oxford Street are going yeah, to no, be. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, been, it's been kicked around for a long time, the idea of pedestrianising the whole of Oxford Street. I mean, it's it would make a lot of sense. I mm-hmm. think 
there's there's far too many people on the pavements anyway. So <laughs> giving them some more space would be handy. <laughs> I think it's only it's only taxis and buses now that can go down yeah. it anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah it makes so sense. again, it's all it's all going in that direction, isn't it? It's all going in that direction, and I liked that in the video, you guys pointed out that this isn't just a London thing, this isn't just a Vienna thing. You know, this is starting to happen in cities across the world, but particularly in Europe at the moment. Like Oslo, I was in Oslo last year, and I noticed that either most of the cars were EV, or you'd just go down this street. And there were just people and, and bikes walking around, um, cycling around, walking around, people interacting with the landscape just completely differently to other cities that I've been to. And that again, that's kind of typical of that part of the world, isn't it? You know, we're very much looking at a Scandinavian business here and their idea on kind of infrastructure and going to these Scandinavian cities. You can maybe see where the future of other cities will be. Absolutely. I think we've we've sort of covered some bits on tomorrow's bill before, particularly around the efforts of Paris and Barcelona to go and do much more urban greening to pedestrianise many more areas. I mean, New York is not an area you'd think about going down the pedestrian route, but a lot of their restaurants had to move towards outdoor dining during the pandemic. So they moved to close off some mm-hmm. some of the lanes and put dining, sort of the temporary sort of dining structures out on the pavements outside. Um, a lot of those are being kept because of the impact they've had, because of the environment they've created. I think, as we kind of say in the video, a lot of the cities got a taste of car-free urban environments during the pandemic, and they quite liked it. And it's good to see it now becoming a more global trend. And I think to have a brand like IKEA put their name, weight, and strength behind it is really important because I don't you can't under you can't underestimate the influence of IKEA. You know, they have stores in mm-hmm. so many countries worldwide. There, I would hasten to bet that every well, not every home but many many homes around the world have mm-hmm. an ikea bit of furniture in them so if they can use their weight and their influence to help encourage a more sustainable way of shopping that can only be a good thing right mm-hmm. this this might be um this is, this would be good for mike to to actually weigh in on, in, on this mm-hmm. why do european cities why do they seem to be adapting um more to having a carless cities than say in the u.s you, you bring up a good point. It's something I definitely noticed on my trips over there. Uh, it was much more people walking. It was more acceptable to walk. There were a lot of times that, you know, I'm in London. I'm like, oh, we'll just take a black car. And then people are kind of looking at me like, just just walk. It's right <laughs> over there, you know. And <laughs> I'm from L.A. We're spread out. We drive. You know, you see, you know, the notorious freeways. Everybody knows the traffic. When they think of L.A., a lot of people think of that. And I think we are a little bit more spread out geographically. But I think... I think much of the world takes its its climate cues from Europe and, and really looks at that as a difference. Obviously, we've just got a new climate bill that we have passed here trying to take steps towards, you know, like you say, more sustainable environments, understanding where we can kind of improve on those levels. And I think you see all that also in levels of fitness, things like that. When you go to Europe, when I went there, you know, it's like, oh, all the, all the hotels are smaller, all the people are smaller, that you go to the, the clothes are smaller, it's because they're walking. You know, it's a different different lifestyle. And I think I think it's catching on here in some areas, but I think it really is more in those dense areas. Like again, New York, if I lived in New York, I would never own a car. It's just, it, it, yeah. you know, unless you're in just a certain situation or a certain area, it almost makes no sense, more counterproductive than it is to walk, you know, or mm. take something like that. So I think in our denser cities, I think we're starting to see something, you know, some of that. And then in the other areas, you know, it's, 
it's America. We like big trucks. We like to drive. We like to, you know, this is our thing. So it's a culture change, you know, and I think that's why it's taking a little bit longer here in some aspects when they're looking towards improvement. And you guys are a little bit ahead in that, in that arena, because again, it was a little bit more of the tradition of the culture in general before we got to this level. So it was like finding even better ways to do that. And I think we're starting to understand areas in which we can, we can certainly take literally take steps, pardon the pun, uh, towards, <laughs> towards, you know, towards, towards being a more sustainable situation when we're shopping or when we're spending or, you know, obviously we've got, you know, hybrid cars, everything here is totally looking to make a shift. The cost of gas here, of course, has, has been super high. So it's, there are a lot of incentives to start thinking about pulling out that bicycle or thinking about putting on the old insoles in the shoes and taking a walk, you know, and, and just, just living a different, a different lifestyle. So, uh, Definite differences, but I think it's it's really cool to see a project like that. And you said, like I say, of course IKEA would do that. It's an experience when you shop as is. Why not take that to another level? Mm-hmm. And like you say, they deliver a lot of the stuff you're going to buy most of the time anyway. You're going to have shipped anyway or something. So it's like it's not a big deal about not bringing it home in that moment. You're going to have yeah. it. So I think cool. And like I say, Oxford Street, absolutely. Like all, that that reminded me very much of just areas of New York, areas of LA, just where you walk, everybody's out there, shoulder, yeah. 10 shoulders deep across the sidewalk. Like you said, <laughs> if you could take the street and add that, wow, it would be a lot more, you know, open for folks and things like that. So it's yeah. interesting how much the dependence on cars is, is very kind of fundamentally baked in, in some US cities, just because of where things are built and located and where freeways are, and you can't cross them very easily. It it's becomes the only way to really get around is mm-hmm. in your vehicle. So I think, What's really interesting about I mean, obviously we don't want to cross into politics. But what's really interesting about the uh, the bill that's just been passed in the US is the the focus it puts on shifting to electric vehicles. You know, it kind of mm-hmm. recognizes that you we can't we can't demolish and rebuild every US city. So mm-hmm. <laughs> getting yeah. people to to shift into electric vehicles and using that as a way to help move the dial is uh, is yeah really exciting. And I think brands like IKEA trying this out and beginning to roll it out across other cities, other locations, as I said, is is super influential. I think. One thing we should say, we mentioned this in the video, we're not kind of advocating that we scrap cars entirely. I think there's always going to be a place for cars in cities. It's just about reducing their overall impact and you know, different approaches are going to be suited to different cities. What, what works in Barcelona will be different mm-hmm. to what works in Paris, Munich, London, New York, you know, wherever it may be. But I think it's about reducing the overall impact of cars to help lower that overall impact on the environment. That's where That's where the focus is. Yeah, in LA, we've spent uh, millions of dollars in setting up our railway system now. There are ways that you can get from the very east side of greater LA all the way, you know, into the beach just by train. You know, it's not perfect yet. We're so spread out. It is, we are definitely a freeway city. But to your point, there are times and ways where you say, you know what, I can do it this way or I can go this way. And we're starting to get some of that infrastructure in place. Now, like you say, what works in Barcelona won't work in LA. However, there are certain steps that can be taken. So it's it's great to see a, an industry leader like IKEA take take the initiative to say, you know, let's go ahead and create this experience and, and show folks what we can do. And hopefully that will continue to kind of influence other other buildings, other structures and, and, and designs and residentials. So. Definitely. I mean, it's not the only thing IKEA are doing. So they've actually uh, been testing out a few ideas for how to change and improve our cities. They were at the H22 conference in Sweden this year. Um, I imagine meatballs were served at this event. I hope they were, um, <laughs> as, as with any good IKEA. Um, but they were talking about all sorts of things there. So they, they created this multifunctional kind of uh, quick-to-erect marketplace, which they actually established, in a, they trod out in a deprived neighborhood in Sweden, um, and it created 
local jobs. It engineered more food infrastructure. So it's kind of this this temporary structure, almost like kind of similar to the concept of vertical farming that we've covered a few times before on, on tomorrow's build, where we're talking about bringing the the engineering and the process of food infrastructure and the the travel distances close to the core of our cities, so our urban areas where the majority of our population are. Um, but trying it out with this, as I said, this kind of multifunctional marketplace. So it's this temporary structure, an easy to erect um, structure that is used for local farming, and it creates jobs, brings food closer to where people are located. Um, so yeah, it's called DM. Um, yeah, one of a few things they've been trying out. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's good to see. I think going back to my earlier point, it's good to see a big, major international brand like this taking steps to move the dial in the world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, certainly, certainly for all of our benefit. I mean, it, climate is something that it really affects us all. You know, we all we all breathe the same air, so we need to figure out how we can make things a little bit more sustainable. You know, and improve some of the ways of life in, in areas in which we can certainly reduce our impact, like you say, on on the climate and, mm-hmm. and continue to move forward. Definitely. I wonder if um, with the with the cartless IKEA, if that they've seen like an uplift in customers, because one of my biggest gripes about going to IKEA is the traffic. No matter what city I'm in, just waiting in traffic in the car parks and things like that. So I would, I'd definitely be up for going to an IKEA where I don't have to drive. So it'd be interesting to see. <laughs> You know, if you've seen that uplift from customers that are like, oh, it's much more easier. It's, it's not, you know, you don't have to queue in traffic. Um, it, it's just, you're just in and out a lot quicker, right? Mm-hmm. Is that similar in, in Sydney? Mm. Liam, I know we've spoken a wee bit about the culture yeah. over there. Is it very much a car-centric city or is yeah. it a bit more mixed? than Very, yeah. very much no. car-centric, yeah. There's a lot of trains and things. I mean, a lot of people do use them, but yeah, everyone's, everyone drives to work. I there's always traffic in the mornings, things like that. I, I typically most people I know don't get the train to work. It's always they just drive. Um, so yeah, it's very much like that. And IKEA as well. I mean, I drove past IKEA a couple of weeks ago, and there was a queue of literally hundreds of cars trying to get onto it. I, I think there was some kind of I don't know sale on or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is which is insane, right? Um, it depends all- what time you go for me because we we've done the old uh, Sunday morning smash and grab i almost call it like a smash dawn raid <laughs> a dawn raid <laughs> just in and out mate <laughs> yeah almost like the dawn raid of ikea so you get there early you get in <laughs> you're like, right, we're, gonna, we're gonna have a coffee and meatballs afterwards we're gonna go and get what we need before the crowds get here and you're, you're running through the showroom bit and you're like well i'm not don't look don't look oh look at that bedroom setup. what if i had that no no right right keep moving keep moving oh look at that kitchen no no keep moving get through the market hall get the stuff and then you always come out you always and if you guys find this by always come out with stuff I didn't Always. go for whether it's Always. fake plants, spatulas, bit of, bit of cutlery, a candle, lint rollers. Always go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. It is yep. so true. Yeah. I remember coming out one time. I just went in. I think we just went in for lunch and I came out with a bin and a lint roller. <laughs> Did someone just say a lint roller as well? Yeah, Was right. it Liam? Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm not joking. Yeah. I'm not joking. That's not made up. That is a true story. <laughs> no, it was, it was the same thing when uh, first time I went in LA, I had friends, oh, we're going to go to Ikea Saturday. You want to roll? Like, oh, uh, okay. You know, like what's Ikea? I didn't even know, you know, we're in LA, we're in our little part, you know, apartments, we got no money, you know? So I'm like, okay, sure. And man, it was like walking through a museum of all this stuff I probably should buy. You know, yeah. like it was like a whole experience of like, look at that sofa. It's just looking at me and it needs to come home, but I don't have any room for that. But I like, you know, <laughs> yeah. again, a retail, a brilliant strategy. They walk you through, make it an experience. And honestly, that it beats 
other normal retail every day because it's just like you really get to see like everything that's there. And then like you say, fake plants, look at this lamp. Oh, I need a new candle. Like, you know, just <laughs> things you're going to come out with something. So, I mean, brilliant for them to take some other steps to have us walk through yet another environment they want to kind of propose. And I think it's a really cool project that they've got going. So we'll see, we'll see where this heads. Hopefully it heads towards a better climate for us all. And if not, we got meatballs, right? So mm. what are you going to do? <laughs> Which are great for the climate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <gonna> say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they're, they're they're making them in a different way now. From what I've, I, I I need to Google this in more detail, but I understand it's not uh, mass produced meatballs with cows anymore. There's uh, there's different ways of these meatballs are produced. <laughs> that's that's for the next show. We got to find that that topic out because yeah, we definitely pork. need to research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what though? This isn't going to suit um, every city, though, is it? You know, it is going to take time. You know, when you think of somewhere, may- and I, I could be wrong on this, but when you think of somewhere like uh, maybe Dubai, you know, I don't know many people that just go walking around <laughs> Dubai because it's so you hot. You, well, you can't mm-hmm. do it. You can't mm-hmm. do it. And I'm even thinking with uh, with you guys over in California, Mike, particularly in Pasadena and, and LA's in in some parts of the year, it is really difficult to just walk around isn't it you just think now nah, do you know what can't be bothered might as well yeah. go in my my air conditioned car right so there's that too and when you look at the list of where this is being rolled out or where uh, some cities are focusing more on pedestrian pedestrians and cyclists it usually is cities where there is more of a mild climate right mm-hmm. so again there's that to consider and then some cities in asia you know in the summer the humidity is so high isn't it mm-hmm. so unbearable and even maybe down where liam lives in um the land of oz it might be really difficult to down, down <laughs> under mate down there under. <laughs> there's uh, there's yeah. boomerangs in that ikea all sorts of things you didn't know Car- cardi minogue cds <laughs> i love it me- i love it <laughs> meatballs are a uh, kangaroo yeah wouldn't Didn't surprise they? me wouldn't surprise me i'd eat them i'd eat them kangaroos eat them. yum i eat reindeer kangaroos Save the kangaroos, guys. Hashtag save the kangaroos from me. I think this is this is terrible. I haven't got over the reindeer thing yet. To eat kangaroo is shocking. You don't eat kangaroo, Liam, do you? Mate, yeah. <laughs> literally, literally, yes. Kangaroos everywhere. You can you can buy kang- kangaroo steaks. You can buy like kangaroo tail at the supermarket if you want. Chuck, <laughs> it, on the, chuck it on the barbecue. You monster. Bit of salt. I love Listen, it. Listen, Liam, I won't even let you take these grenades by yourself. I went to Savannah, Georgia. I went to this restaurant there. I was doing an interview thing for a print magazine. They had all these exotic meats. They had kangaroo. Yeah. I ate it. How'd you so find it? We have two savages. I, I liked it. I mean, it was, it was, it's, it's, I've also had venison, you know, mm. deer meat, things like that. Elk, you know, I'm from Colorado originally. So, I mean, we, yeah. we eat things. <laughs> we yeah. eat meat wherever yeah. we find it. And um, <laughs> if it's a kangaroo, we'll find it. But no, it, it was actually, it was really good. Uh, I mean, it was one of those kind of like, expert chefs who really knew how to kind of do all these things and it was delicious to me i mean it, it, it was it was good so yeah. you've got you've got a partner in crime there liam when thank it comes you, to Mike. consuming thank you yes. i am, I am I think- vehemently standing by my position i think this is absolutely monstrous uh skippy skippy the bush kangaroo remember skippy skippy already made the sacrifice right because skippy was the you know he had to be the decoy after you know skippy of course met an early fate so once mick had him set up like what are you going to do after that you bring skippy in the truck and then we can you know put him on the skewer on the barbie and, and swim him around but exactly. no uh, uh rest in peace skippy uh thank you for your service you were you were awesome and you know 
It's worth noting as well, I think IKEA also do uh, vegan meatballs. Ah. So, for balance, just thought I'd have... Ba- Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> they, also do, they also do a lovely cup of coffee and a cream tea, uh, which you do get in Croydon. Just, just shout out to that. Might my, 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 get another manly macho contribution from Fred. Um, guys, we want to know what you think about this. What's the weirdest thing you've ever bought in IKEA? Let us know. Podcast at theb1m.com. What do you think of a driverless IKEA? W- would this work for your city? Do you think it's a good move? Do you think it's a good initiative? Let us know what you think. Get your emails coming in. Podcast at theb1m.com. Now, guys, as you've noticed, we've got a very special guest with us this week, Mr. Mike Landers from Bluebeam. So let's let's get to know Mike in more detail <laughs> with, with some questions that might might you know unveil a bit more about the man, man we have on our podcast today. Um, how how are you doing, Mike? How are you finding things so far? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm happy to be down here at XCon again in San Diego, meeting up with you guys, uh, part of the Bluebeam uh, user conference, and something we do annually every year. And it's just inspiring to see folks pushing to do better uh within their industry and within their work and to be a part of it is just inspiring every every second is inspiring so it's it's absolutely it's awesome so really glad to be here and even more honored to be here with you guys so. oh again those heavies standing next to him making sure he says the right thing <laughs> <laughs> um you know i agree with you Mike. it's it's been fantastic to see xcon come back into a physical location because i think you you get those interactions that you don't get over zoom and i think mm-hmm. the the kind of I'm going to say it out loud because I think we're kind of all thinking it. I, f- I find the best bit of these conferences are not the agenda, but the stuff you have around the edges, the conversation, the networking, the people you bump into, those little conversations you weren't planning. So, yeah, it's it's, it's great to be a great to be part of it. Now, um, Mike, when we started off this podcast, we did an introductory mini-sode where we all went around and had a chat about uh, what our favorite building was. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like an initiation we need okay. to ask you what your favorite building was. The, the bar is low for this. You know, Liam said the walkie-talkie in London, which was clearly an error. Um, but <laughs> you know. I, I stand by it. I still stand by yeah. it. Liam's proved you can basically say any building and get away with it. So what's your to, – to get to know you in more detail, mate, what's your favorite building? I mean, living in L.A., I mean, I just have to say the Walt Disney Concert Hall. I know everybody's going to say it. Frank Geary design. I mean, it looks like something out of the movie Terminator 2 when they came out with that liquid metal, you know, and you, the way, the, the, the interesting thing about that building too, if you haven't been to LA to actually see it, everybody obviously has seen it in every car commercial and everything. It's, it's everywhere. And people are going to be like, he said that building, that's so corny. Everybody knows it, but it's beautiful. And what's interesting about it is, it's kind of located right up on the rise of the hill a little bit. So it's like you kind of, you go through kind of the swath of downtown, you come up after you exit Cesar Chavez and you come up over the top and you see it sitting up over there. And it's kind of like the light always catches it. You know, you see it in the sunshine, it comes down and then you get to the interior and you see like where the LA Phil harmonic plays and everything. And it's just like, it's an incredible space. I mean, it's, it's, it's as advertised when you see it in person. And I think you have that mixture of very interesting design and very, very amazing construction to make it happen. And I think, you know, some of my favorite projects like that would be just, you know, it becomes an environment, right? It's not a building. It's not a square warehouse. It's it's an environment. It's an experience, you know, when you go there. So I'm going to ride for LA and I'm going to say it's the Frank Geary Concert Hall. It's, it's or the, the Walt Disney Concert Hall by Frank Geary. It's, it's a, an incredible structure to me. That is a great answer, Mike, and proof once again that there is great architecture in LA. I've I've defended it before on this podcast, and I'll say it again: yes. there are some fantastic buildings. And I think, you know, Frank Gehry. I mean, everyone knows he's the guy's an absolute legend. He's he's 
change the world with his architecture. But buildings like that just show you they're so bold, so daring, so out there. Mm-hmm. They went ahead and built it, and the impact is is phenomenal. Like you say, I mean, I can see Luke is uh, nodding along. Are you, are you are you you behind this building as well, Luke? Yeah, I uh, I think that's also one of my favorite buildings in LA as well, and I love Frank Gehry. But mm-hmm. that that structure is surreal when you look at it. And it's one thing looking at it on a laptop or on a TV or in a film and going, oh, wow, that looks cool. But seeing it in person, you know, and especially depending on where the light is, you know, what time of day it is in mm-hmm. LA, you know, it changes and it's gorgeous. Yeah, Absolutely you pick up gorgeous. different you pick up different shadows off the edges, you know, and again, like <laughs> seeing something like that, I'm like, I have no idea how you bring that design to life, you know? And I think right. that's where, where again, you, you, you love construction, right? It's like, well, this is how, <laughs> how we're going to do it. You know, here's, here's what it looks like. Well, how the heck do we pull that off? You know? And, and it, it's one of those buildings where again, it's still timeless now, you know, so many years later where it's like, yeah, every time I see it, it looks fresh, you know, which is yep. such a thing. And like you say, we've got the Bradbury building, we've got Lautner, a lot of Gucci design from the sixties, like, LA has a lot of cool things to to see in that way, but I think when you start to look at structures and things like that, when they catch your eye and they they really stop you in your tracks, like that's that's pretty incredible. Obviously, there's some other projects we're going to be talking about later on the on the podcast, like the one that might be that might be headed for Dubai, and it's just insane to see <laughs> some of the levels of like where people are pushing design and then actually executing. You know, so it's 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 a it's just an ever ever changing industry, and it's so cool to see it all. You know, um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think to me that's the like you say, the power of construction and architecture is those buildings where every time they get you and you get that feeling of like awe and wonder or your goosebumps, you know, appearing on your arms. And that's that's very much the case with the Walt Disney Concert Hall. But for me, it's the case with skyscrapers, bridges, mm-hmm. massive feats of engineering, you know. Bridges are insane just, to me. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, I, 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 it, as someone of my intellectual capability, I'm still like, but how? Like, you know, like when I see yeah. it, it's just like, you can show me how and we understand it, but it's like really doing that is just mind blowing to me what, what humans yeah. are capable of doing. Like the Empire State Building, I've seen it so many times in, in pop culture. I've seen it in person so many times, in person, in, in concrete so many times. But whenever I arrive in New York and I'm coming across the bridge and I see it, I just go, oh, wow, it's so yeah. cool. It's, to take the eye, that feeling, yeah, yeah. To take the eye in London is is really just to get up there and get to see everything on the Thames and see all the buildings and you see you know both sides and like just iconic you know structures around where it's like wow. And then to 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 Luke's point, you know, when you see things in person and it still moves you like that, like yo, you've seen it on your screensavers on your laptops or things like that. But when you really walk the space or go get to see it, it's 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 just incredible when you can say. I built that or I was a part of that. And then years yeah. later, this is like, again, if you, if, if you're going to mention LA, you're probably not going to leave that building out. And again, you've got a lot of competition. So when you think about that kind of aspect of, of sustainable or timeless structures, not something that's going to work for 10 years, but something that's going to be here longer, and then maybe even help define the image of a community, you've really done something, you know, and that's just, that's again, part of what inspires all of us here, I'm sure, you know. Yeah, it's it's one of those buildings that you 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 can imagine it as a sketch, but they've actually mm-hmm. gone and built it. You, know, you can imagine the engineers being like, "Oh yeah, thanks thanks for these drawings, but I, I, we can't really work them out. They, we hold them upside down or something. Is, is this actually <laughs> what they want us to build?" And they've gone and taken this incredibly crazy bold design and brought it to reality and made it happen. And yeah, that for me is the power of construction. Taking stuff that you just you mm-hmm. just didn't think was possible and proving the world wrong and then changing <laughs> where, the world for decades is amazing. Where, 
shouldn't there be right angles in this building somewhere? How do you <laughs> Will that set square down? <laughs> is this a is this a load bearing slope or what are we looking at? But yeah, I mean, just crazy, like you say, to be able to bring the architect's design to fruition and make it happen. Just insane. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, talking, getting to know you in more detail, Mike. Talking about amazing buildings and, and architecture worldwide. There's a, there's a great channel for finding out all about construction and architecture. Um, happens to be called the B One M. What's your uh, what's your favorite B One M video over the years? I know you've been, I've, I've known you for years, Mike. So you've been involved with Living for a long time. I've met you a few. I think I met, first met you in London back in 2016. I think so. It might have even been 15. It, it's starting to blur. I'm starting at that point where it's blurring a little bit. But yeah, it was back then. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, remember, I remember talking to you about the 2016 presidential election while it was still going on and then yes. being, <laughs> being surprised at the result, to put it mildly. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. So you've been, a, yeah, we've known each other for a long time. You've been a big supporter of the BLM for a long time. Favorite video? I got to put you on the spot, man. Uh, the Tower Crane. Uh, you, <laughs> you, I was like watching you climb the tower crane. And again, this is what professionals in our industry do every day. I mean, this is, these are people's jobs, but watching you do that, I was, I was right there with you. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to say I'm totally afraid of heights, but yeah, I'm not doing that. So when I saw you going up there, it was like, my knuckles were as white as yours climbing up the ladder, you know, and going up there. But when you see, again, that's what somebody does every day. You know, you see people on site, they know to be able to even understand wind operating, you know, the, all of the, the nuance that goes into loads and everything like that. But to get to see you, you know, go up and do something like that, I thought that was obviously very courageous on your aspect, but I think <laughs> just a good glimpse into, again, this is what somebody does every day. You know, like a lot of folks don't really understand construction outside of construction like that. So mm. to see you just say, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to show you what this is actually like, you know, and I think it was just, a phenomenal feat. Again, I totally, totally give you credit for doing so because I'd have been, I'd have been on the ground, uh, you know, with the camera, like, "Good job, Fred. You're doing well, man. Hope uh, <laughs> just keep hanging on, dude. Are you tied off up there? You know." But uh, yeah, I, I, I love that video. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, I'd pay big money to watch Fred climb, <laughs> climb anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'd see Liam laughing at that. <laughs> of all the responses, that's the one you wanted. Yeah, no, I, I man, I'm 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 one of those people that I'm I do have a thing with heights. I love skyscrapers and I feel safe in skyscrapers. But right. when I go to the top of let's say a castle, I don't feel <laughs> as safe and I feel like it's gonna because it's open air, because it's older, because sometimes the like turret bits just come up to kind of your waist, and you're thinking, "Oh my days!" Like I'm just someone could just come over and cough on me, and I'd fall over. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, like I said, I think you should have like streamed that or something, done it as a live event, Fred. I, in yeah. fact, I think we should do that and we do it were, as a charity event. For years, I was trying to, I was trying to uh, get access to projects to to get Fred climbing the cranes, like the tallest cranes in London. Um, just personally, I, I thought it was quite funny because Fred was petrified of heights. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I might have to pick that back up again. I'm normally, I mean, I'm normally okay. I'm normally okay with heights. It's when you're on a shaking. Tower crane in the open air. Yeah, I should I should say like shout out to the incredible men and women every day who work in those locations because Mm -hmm. the tower crane I did, but I think was forty two meters the climb on a freestanding tower crane. There are people doing this on the top of super tall skyscrapers. There's a guy on Instagram who works in New York who's been posting pictures of him in a tower crane above the clouds some days. You know, Mm. I, I it's an amazing 
amazing job. These are amazing people. And yeah, what I did in comparison was pretty tame. Um, I was actually, that's actually quite an old video, Mike. So I remember like it was in the early days of B1M and the, the content team were like, oh, Fred being scared of stuff works really well. Yeah. What, what else are you scared of? Let's, <laughs> let's get him like holding a snake or some spider. Yeah, it's got construction, say, yeah. construction say, related. Yeah, I don't know if this is my last podcast now that I've uh, suggested that to you. And Liam's like, yeah, let's challenge Fred <laughs> some more and put him up in the tower crane, a couple of snakes, maybe a bungee cord and see what happens. But no, <laughs> to your point, uh, amazing men and women do that every day. So I think the fact that you brought folks into that kind of immersive experience was really cool to see. Uh, and again, just advocating for industry and, and kind of why we're here, you know? So. Yeah. As I said at the beginning, you've been, you've been a supporter of the BWM for a long time. You've been at Bluebeam for a long time. Mm-hmm. What's made you kind of stick around at Bluebeam? Again, uh, you know, I love the industry. Uh, I got started uh, with a big GC here uh, in LA. It was kind of a roundabout story. Uh, a friend of mine who's kind of like a big brother figure mentor to me uh, went to school for engineering. Uh, and started with this company right when we graduated college. I graduated with a journalism degree and uh, <clears throat> met some of his friends, went to his job sites, kind of saw a little bit. Of, but again, as a, as a you know non-construction person, I didn't really know really anything about the industry. So I would learn a little bit about what he would tell me and when we would kind of visit him and met some of his peers, some of his, his, his colleagues at, at the company, and they were really cool. And uh, had an opportunity uh, in L.A. actually um, that they were looking to do some kind of media coverage for one of the job sites they were working on. They wanted somebody to kind of come up with like, you know, maybe like a site newsletter, help with some of the United Way drives, like get some of the charity stuff going and and really sort of promote the job site a little bit and things like that, which I was honored to do. I, I, I'm a journalist, a storyteller by heart. So meeting people and seeing what they're passionate about, if you... If you're speaking what you're passionate about, we're all speaking the same language. And it's it's just you listen and you really absorb. So they gave me a, an opportunity out there and I started to do what I was doing. And of course, it was very new in the space. Some of the people were like, what is this guy doing? Why is he here? You know, and I ended up becoming a safety administrator um, just to be able to learn a bit more about what was going on and then also help with some of the some of the paperwork that needed to happen. So obviously, the safety guys could be outside doing what they needed to do. Uh, so it was a lot of trust they put into me kind of right away, uh, which I honored and, and showed up every day, you know, 530 foreman's meetings. I was a guy who got up at 10 a.m. So this was a whole I, I realized that construction is a culture as much as it is a business. So I really got to absorb it. And in that safety trailer, you kind of see everybody because everybody has to come in for PPE or things like that. So um, I got to work under Andrew Jackson and Robert Stormo, who are really good guys to 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 mentor me there. And uh, I started to learn that when I was going to work, it was almost like this sort of secret life. Like nobody else in my peer group outside of him, my mentor friend, you know, really knew this space or anything like that. And so I was doing this newsletter on site. And we kind of spotlighted one of the crews and what their project was for that week. They got taken home, you know, their families had a few of the guys come back to the trailer and they're like, man, I'm so grateful that you did this. And I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, it was, you know, no, no, no. Like I could show my wife and daughter, like really what I do and things like that. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, they know I do construction, but you know, they don't know exactly the ins and outs and I don't really bore them with it, you know, that kind of thing. And it started to dawn on me there. I was like, interesting. It's like, people outside of construction don't really know. And it's like, then I started to think, think about this. Think about Goodfellas. Think about all the mob movies. What did the guys always say they did for a living? (laughs) Construction. Not just because it was like a cash business, because it's a business people didn't ask questions about because they didn't understand it. And 
I was meeting all of these people. I saw the impossible happen every day on the job site. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's all planned yeah. out, but we all know how it goes. Like suddenly, oh, great. Your rebar showed up Wednesday instead of Tuesday. There's no lay down yard to put it. Who's working this gate? You know, it becomes this whole logistical, it's yeah. a puzzle every day. And to see these brilliant men and women, like again, our, our tower crane, uh, you know, load expert, like amazing what he could do just in his head. He didn't even have to calculate half the time because he knew his job so well. And I was like, wow, I'm really inspired by all these people. I didn't know I was going to like this business. When you're not in construction, construction is invisible to you or it's almost annoying, right? You're, you're driving down the street. Oh, they're working on my street. Oh, they're, 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 the elevators are out in my building. They're fixing my elevators. You know, now you start looking like, ooh, there's like 12 cranes downtown. There's some cool projects going on and things like that. I think I felt really compelled almost to kind of give back to the industry as an advocate myself uh, yeah. and use my skills, which are obviously more in the journalism end and, and voice uh, end. And that's really why you and I clicked so much, Fred. I thought it was really admirable that you were literally launching something in this space that could really talk about construction and really show folks what it is. I mean, if we can do this, we can get our trades numbers back up. You know, we can work through supply chain issues, all the things that are plaguing the industry right now. There are so many things to do in this industry. It's not necessarily even just boots on the ground. You have video game designers that are helping to design the BIM models, you know, on 3D. Like you have, you know, there are so many things on the job site you can do. Most folks think it's about the trades, but even that they don't understand. I mean, ask someone yeah. on the street what a boilermaker is. It's probably like a Jeopardy question to them. They're like, what, <laughs> what, 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 what? They probably wouldn't even know what industry that is, right? You know, so I guess I felt really just kind of honored that they had trusted me so much at this company and to kind of, you know, use that to give back. So when I got to Bluebeam, you know, we started the blog, uh, you know, that that's now the built blog, which is just an incredible repository of stories. And that was when I first met you, Fred, and you were working in the space too. And I thought, Fred, you know, the, the B1M is exactly what an, this industry needs. Like other industries have this, but the one thing that's very different about construction is there's no R and D time because that's just the way projects go. You know, your deadline was yesterday. If you're asking, you know, <laughs> there's, you know, you've got so many different components to, to how the industry works. And I think being able to advocate for it, we can get more people interested in it. There's so many dynamic aspects of the career, the way digitalization has hit the industry. You know, part of what we do here at Bluebeam, we're another tool in the belt for, for folks to be able to get things done. And I think you've got an industry that, again, you have to find a better way of doing something almost every time you do something. It's profit margins, it's resources, it's so many things. So rarely do you see an industry that really sharpens its own iron like construction does and constantly pushing for for better ways of doing things. So I think being able to use my voice in the space at all to to do anything, I'm, I'm honored to do so. So when you asked me to be here, I said, I mean, no place I'd rather be. You know, like what you guys <laughs> do is is incredible and I'm just happy to help help tell those stories. So at any rate, that was kind of, I guess they, they call it the construction bug, you know, so I caught it. And, uh, you know, just anytime I can speak to young people about it, anytime we can we can use our voices Absolutely. To, to show what's going on. Uh, it's a phenomenal industry. It's, 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 you know, there's some good money in it. There's some good longevity in it. And I just think, you know, if we can do our part, we can just continue, you know, talking about these projects like we're talking about the IKEA project. There's a lot of uh, being upfront with people. There's a commercial relationship between the B1M and Bluebeam. In case you haven't noticed, they've been one of our big, <laughs> big sponsors and big supporters for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I think the reason that relationship's endured is because there is like there's like a shared values there. And yeah, B1M's a commercial business. The Blue Bluebeam's a commercial business. The Bluebeam, sorry, just making you part of the B1M, <laughs> the Bluebeam. Um, no, Blue Bluebeam mm -hmm. is is we're both commercial businesses, but there's this 
deeper mission and objective behind them to kind of improve the construction industry. And what's really fantastic about events like XCON, I mean, you might just, I haven't just flown across the other side of the world to go to a construction event for nothing. Mm-hmm. It's really good the way it's not really about Bluebeam and the products. It's about bringing the industry together to work out how we can build better buildings more efficiently, more you know, in a more productive way that make the world a better place. And I think that's, you know, without, and I'm not, not being paid to say this, but <laughs> what's kind of made Bluebeam successful is the way, even just in the last two days since I've been here, you see the user groups, the listening mm-hmm. to the, the customers, the, the contractors mm-hmm. on the ground, understanding what they need and what they want and building that into the product. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you have a product that's created by the industry for the industry Yep. And that's so much more successful than going into a bunker on your own, dreaming up something and then trying to sell it later on. So, yep. yeah. I mean, again, been... it, it goes back to what we were talking about. If if you don't really know this industry, you certainly can't build a product for it and you certainly can't market it. You know, And I think we were push button PDF when we started and we grew into industry because industry was telling us, hey, add this. Hey, you could do this. So, I mean, we have that obligation, like you say, that's bigger than features or adding things on for money. It's more about being able to collaborate together and bring people together again, just like the B1M does. So I think, again, there's that very organic side of it that has nothing to do with profit margins or things like that. Simply like finding a better way to do something, you know, and giving that to people and then having XCon like this, if you're a new user, you know, they, they build in so much curriculum. You could learn, you could learn how to use the software in a weekend if you wanted to, you know, but I think having, getting to see you uh, in DC, I think it was the first time you flew over here to see it here. And I just saw, you know, how you were looking around the room and it's like, this is every year. And that was what happened to me the first time I have been to a lot of the major conventions in America, shot show, the magic show, all these different, you know, E3, those kind of things. I'd never had seen a company kind of throw its own convention like this. And the users were so hungry for knowledge and so happy about what was going on in the projects and learning to do this, learning to do that. It was like, Oh my gosh. So, I mean, I was just that much more strengthened in kind of my, my newfound love for the industry when I was able to come here because it was, it just reinforced everything I was kind of thinking that I was learning out on the job site. And it's like, yeah, all of that is very true. So throw let's in, go tell throw these stories. Some, uh, throw know. in some palm trees and a beach and like, Hey, we're all in, eh? Throw, listen, throw in a, listen, throw in a exactly. poolside barbecue and some free drinks. And we're, <laughs> and we're all in, get up, get us out on a boat. We're all in, you know, but <laughs> That's the thing, though. It's it's also a good time. Like Fred said, I mean, the, the conversations you get, you know, is are, are just priceless. You're going to do, obviously, your sessions and things like that. But there's just so much to see. So many different walks of life, international folks, so many different ways of learning to build. It's just incredible to see. So, I mean, being here and being a part of it, uh, I think this is like my sixth or seventh now, you know, and it never yeah, gets yeah. old. It's like adrenaline all day, you know. So super happy you guys are here with us. Liam, I'm super happy you're here. Luke, dude, we got to get you out here, man. Like you need tacos. <laughs> um, we got to get you out of there. I'm wait. I'm waiting for the invite, mate. <laughs> next year, next year, yeah. You we got to get. Me. We got to get budget. How do we get budget? What do we do? We got to do something. But no, yeah. you, you, it's it's just something you've really got to experience for yourself. It's incredible. Now, yeah. as we've alluded to, uh, XCon 2022 is coming to you from San Diego. In case you haven't picked that up in this podcast yet, we're coming <laughs> to you. We're coming to you from San Diego. Um, Drink it in. Now, Always goes down smooth. There's some interesting facts about this place. This this is uh, this is where cultural classics such as Anchorman uh, mm-hmm. and the oh. Lost World Jurassic Park were filmed, <laughs> and now the world's best construction podcast. You know, oh yeah, I, mean, I heard they uh, recorded a podcast here once. Yeah, yeah, have you heard it? Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how to say this. Uh, but we're kind of a big deal. Yes. <laughs> so, 
There we go. Yeah, there we go. I like it. It's it's just obligatory when you come to San San Diego. You got to think of of Anchorman. But no, Fred, you have found out some very interesting things about this city that I didn't know either. I have. So for anyone doesn't know San Diego, we are well. As I as I realized on my very long journey over here, you can't possibly go further on the mainland United States from London than San Diego. Like it's the very (laughs) it's the very this little point we're basically basically on the edge of mexico here mm-hmm. um really cool place i'm loving the climate i'm loving the vibe i'm loving the architecture i'm loving the palm trees I'm loving the temperature because as you know i've been boiling hot for weeks yes it's very nice it's a very nice 23 24 degrees here mm-hmm. um so some bits about san diego the top employer in this city is the u.s navy and i've mm-hmm. had the delight of watching some massive uh warships go up and down outside my window uh, mm-hmm. on the on the ocean which is very cool um it was continuing the B1M's uh, podcast fast food theme. This is where the first drive-in restaurant in the US was opened uh, by the man who later founded Jack in the Box in 1951. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably my, my favorite little fact, you get fined if you leave your Christmas lights up past the 2nd of February, which I think is a great rule. Really? Should be a worldwide law, in my opinion. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Because, yeah, I mean, who does that? I mean, people, you, you see neighbors and people, it's like February, like, might be time to go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. So the city actually finds you here. That's what you found out. They they, they literally give you a fine. If you I mean, this was a, this was a cursory Google search. I haven't done freedom of information requests. I haven't done, like, a proper investigative journalism. But Listen, uh, I, I believe it. I mean, it, it's... It's a beautiful area here, so maybe they don't want the lights to distract from the harbor, the views, you know, everything you have here. But that's an interesting one. That's interesting. I learned one last night. We were out on a boat on the water, as one does, uh, apparently. But there was there's uh, an old Hotel Coronado, which is kind of a, a, a an art uh, an old school building that was it's sort of legendary in some some arenas. The hotel, a lot of famous people stayed there. It was kind of a, a big upper class thing. When prohibition happened, you couldn't obviously drink alcohol in bars. You couldn't have the speakeasies, smoking, things like that. They created, they they built a boat that could house all of that. And it just sailed out just into Mexican waters. So it was international waters, right? So this was the prohibition party boat. And Uh. they couldn't be touched legally or illegally. So Mm. they were good to go. Now, prohibition gets canceled. So they didn't need the boat anymore. So they docked the boat. But obviously, they didn't pay for things. They didn't keep the upgrades. The boat sank basically right offshore. When the low tide happens, you can walk on the beach into the shipwreck. Wow. It's insane. Yeah, I learned. Th- I literally learned this last night. This is how much of a nerd I am. This is literally what I learned on the boat last night. Insane. So you can actually see when the tide goes out, this, this sunken ship, which was the party boat of its era. Very cool, very cool. Now, guys, just to give you some uh, flavour and colour from XCON, I have been out and about asking people what brings them here, what their favourite building is, and if they were going to McDonald's, what they'd order. I think what brought me to XCON is really the people. I think this is where, um, at XCON, this is where I built my family, my industry family, and so this is my time of the year to reconnect with old industry friends and make new industry friends. And uh, this year I was invited to have a women in construction panel. And so that's a huge passion for me because, you know, I also, I want to be the change I want to see in this industry and I want to have conversations um, that are going to inspire others to want to do the same. 
So yeah, that's what brings me to XCon every year. Fantastic. We're doing a McDonald's order for the whole of XCon, all 1,100 people. What would you like? Ooh, I definitely will like chicken McNuggets with sweet and sour sauce. Being here at Bluebeam with Construction Progress Coalition really allows us to see the different perspectives of the industry from the people that are furthest along using BIM integrated to review to the municipalities just starting to mark up PDFs. And so being able to be here firsthand with the end users has been super helpful in seeing how we can drive the industry forward with um, better integrations between Bluebeam and other players out there in the market and helping solve shared pains throughout the industry. We're doing a McDonald's order for all 1,100 people here. What's your order going to be? The, what's my what going to be? What's your order for McDonald's? Oh, my order for McDonald's. Oh, that's, a, that's an easy one. We go to In-N-Out here. So in Southern California, so you'll get double-doubles. Uh, and it's very simple. You can only get a single. I'm going to say double-doubles for everyone with cheese, animal style. What brings you to XCOM? You know, I think what's great about Bluebeam is anyone that's a Bluebeam user, they're using it with something else. As a PDF markup tool, you're using it alongside Revit, using it alongside Newforma, alongside all these other tools. And so we're naturally going to face uh, the, these challenges with how do we share across different platforms. And it's just it's so cool to ha have those challenges be faced, but then also realize that the solutions exist. I mean, we're, we're in the um, integration center here, and we can see all kinds of tools that exist that we didn't even know about. So just the, the discovery of um, solutions that uh, we, we we weren't previously aware of is uh, a cool thing to be a part of. And your McDonald's order, more importantly. Oh, man. <laughs> well, so in Texas, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do McDonald's. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try and be healthy for everyone, so I'm going to order them all uh, chicken salads from McDonald's because they're surprisingly good. So guys, also in the news this week, we have another new skyscraper unveiled for London, as if, as if you haven't got enough already. <laughs> uh, this is for 18 Blackfriars, which is a site south of the river, um, just opposite one Blackfriars. Uh, I know this area well, I'll go for coffee there quite a bit. There's a vacant site, it's been vacant for a while now, kind of opposite across the road from one Blackfriars. And this is where a new 200 meter skyscraper designed by Foster and Partners is going to be rising. As expected, we've got trees on buildings again. We've got we've got trees on the renders. We've got planted terraces. Um, what do you guys think of this building? Do any new skyscrapers not have trees on them? Is my question. <laughs> it seems every every render we see now is uh, skyscrapers covered in trees. I'm a big fan of it, but um, it, it's it's an interesting trend, I suppose. Um, but aside from that, I I actually love the building. I think it looks beautiful. It's nice to see something outside of the city of London, uh, like that the the actual city getting built, so it's not just clustered up with the other skyscrapers. Yeah, big fan. Yeah, I think it's gorgeous. But again, unlike <laughs> you to say gorgeous, yeah, Luke. <laughs> I know, I love it, but I do. I think it's pretty cool. However, I do think it could be that we're seeing very specific angles of the building right and i mm. say that because the renders in some of the renders you can you uh, when when you first look at it you go oh wow that looks pretty slick and you you got like kind of that tiered structure going on however it does look like a bit of a thick boy you know a bit like you fred <laughs> bit of a bit of a unit you know <laughs> I, I look at that and i go hang on like we, we, we've gone through this before 
with uh, 22 Bishop's Gate, mm. you know, which, you know, you saw the renders of that and they were, you know, we saw particular renders from particular um, vantage points, right? And this, like, when you look at what was uh, proposed beforehand, which was a lot more slender and uh, rectangular and the, the footprint was square, this definitely looks wider, man. Mm. And so at first glance, I think, yeah, no, that's really gorgeous. You know, it's pretty. And lots of trees. Who doesn't like that? But mm. Mm, I don't know. Is it a bit too thick? Maybe. As I said last week, there's obviously a bit of a gauntlet for these buildings to run in London. There's lots of approvals and hoops they have to go through. Um, worth saying, this isn't the first building put forward on this site. So there was an original Wilkinson Air design skyscraper uh, kicked around in 2017. I think it was actually approved or it got to a certain stage of approval in 2017. That didn't happen, and Foster's now kind of redesigned a building with, I think, similar massing, but a bit of a different layout and feel, and kind of updated it for 2022. There is a render of the Wilkinson Air design scheme up on our Instagram as well, so kind of look at that before and after, and uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Now, also in the news, guys, this week, as if, as if the line in Saudi Arabia a few weeks ago wasn't crazy enough, we've got another one for you. So... Uh, architecture firm uh, Zedanera have put together an idea for the downtown circle in Dubai. Now we should say <laughs> this is a this is a conceptual idea, and it's a kind of a response to the line in the way. So they've done some imagineering, as one would say, as they would say at Disneyland, and <laughs> come up with what could be a new form of community that doesn't impact you know, and doesn't build across as much of the planet as before. That's manifested itself in a a five-story high circular community that sits 550 meters high in a massive circle around the Burj Khalifa, the world's tallest building. Now, we shared this on uh, Tomorrow's Build's Instagram, kind of of for debate and interest, really. Pretty shocking. (laughs) What do you guys make of this? This thing is insane. When I saw the (laughs) render that you sent over... It looks like the Empire Strikes Back or Star Wars. Like, what in the world? You have, obviously, the Burj in the middle. So you've got this, the, the, you know, the tallest thing in the world. And then you have, like you say, around it, it's, it's, again, supposed to be residential. And then having this idea of, like, horizontal residential as opposed to, like, a vertical apartment building. But then it's in, like, kind of like a very, very modern circle it looks like something they would have thought would be on on mars or something like it's a very very crazy exotic design again somebody like me i have no idea how you actually pull that off but i that's a crazy structure or just even a crazy idea you know Hmm. i actually prefer this to the line i don't know how you guys feel about it but this to me I really like. I much prefer this than than the line, and I love the rivalry, the, the engineering rivalry between <laughs> Dubai and Saudi. Right? It's like mm-hmm. they obviously knew they were going to announce the line, and then they've announced that, and then Dubai has sort of come out and gone, boom! All right, here's the. Mm, it's not Dubai, mate. Just just to clarify, so the the big deal with the line, and the reason it was worldwide news, is the line is backed by the government of Saudi Arabia. Construction has started. It's going to be a thing. Oh. Um, this is basically an architecture firm that's come up for, for a night with an idea for Dubai ah, gotcha. that they're kind of kicking around. Um, it's, I think it's so it's interesting. So in their press release, they say that this offers an alternative to the singular and unconnected high rises found in most metropolitan areas. And the idea is they want to create a more efficient, more connected uh, urban environment that doesn't impact on the land or kind of build in such a disconnected, irresponsible way. So, 
at the core of this, there are some interesting principles that are important to debate and think about. And they've they've obviously got the world's attention by putting out these sort of crazy, somewhat ridiculous renders. But uh, I think yeah, there is there is an important urban debate to have as part of this as well. Mm. What think- a load of codswallop, mate! Like the, it, you look at this and you think, oh yeah, it's for urban. Like no, it's rubbish. It's to shock people yeah. and to go, oh wow, yeah, that's different. Yeah, it's different because it looks ugly and unrealistic. <laughs> like, it completely undermines. It completely undermines the Burj Khalifa, right? Which is, I think, one of my favourite skyscrapers in Dubai. And I'm not always the biggest fan of the skyscrapers they put in, up in Dubai, mm-hmm. but I think they've, I think they've got better in recent years. But this completely undermines that. Um, I think it's just like fairy tale. It's fairy tale architecture and fairy tale construction. Like it's not going to happen. It's not, that is not going to be approved, is it? It's not going to be built. I just think like who's who's spending their time doing? What's the point? What's the Just point? to stress, Wait, there is, there, this, is an, this is an idea. It's a conceptual architectural idea that's been put out for conversation. It's not from Dubai government. It's not going to be built. That's it's, fine. It's, it's to start a conversation. And my <laughs> goodness, and that's my and that's working. my conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I don't know, man. Like when it just when you can be focusing like on it, it's basically like you know the new Apple building mm-hmm. in, yeah. in California, right? It's the Apple building on stilts that's it like there's nothing new about this there's mm-hmm. nothing you know I, I, and i think it just doesn't even i don't know man i do not know i think it's cool to have conversations around this and it's nice to get a bit spicy on topics like this and to have strong opinions on this you know and if dubai were to go well hey you know forget you luke we're going to build this anyway well, whoever <laughs> builds it not dubai but whoever I can see Fred's like, just to stress again, it's not Dubai. But but whoever decides, for balance. I just think, no, man, like they could do so much more stuff with their time and money, you know? And I think that's very much something that Dubai and maybe a lot of other cities that are kind of rising onto the world stage are trying to actually move away from now. You know, they're moving away from the superstar stuff and going, hang on, how can we actually make this a livable city? This isn't that. This isn't that, is it? Sustainability is definitely a thing, like you say, as opposed to sort of like, let's just push engineering to where it goes. I guess all I could think of when I thought it was like, well, all the rooms on the outside, if you were residential, they all have a view because it's 360. So there's no like, you know, if you're setting up apartments in there. But to your point, Luke, it no clue how something like that would happen. And I thought about that too. It's like, well... I would have assumed it would have, if, if they were doing this, right, it would be the owners of the Burj to do this. Because like you say, it, it hides the Burj Khalifa, which is meant to be such a, a sentinel beacon, you know, where it's located geographically, right? You know, that's the whole point. Like, look at this thing. So it is interesting in that sense that suddenly it would have a ring around it. It's like Saturn, you know, like now the Burj Khalifa now has a, <laughs> has a, has a, has a circular ring around it, you know. So, ah, gosh, who knows? You know, it, it, it's an insane, it's an insane concept. It is, mm-hmm. it is shocking. It's designed to grab attention. It's designed to make you think about it. But that's that's kind. You kind of have to play that game a little bit on the internet mm-hmm. sometimes. And I think, yeah, the way the way it's ignited the debate is uh, is yeah, pretty cool. Guys, let us know what you think about joining, uh, building a three kilometer circle, five hundred and fifty <laughs> meters high around the Burj Khalifa. Um, and if you're <laughs> if you're currently uh, looking for something to do with your time in an architecture practice, and you've seen the line, and you've seen the circle, let us know if you want any kind of. Uh, pyramid or trapezium shaped uh, structures debated <laughs> in future podcasts we'll, uh, we'll definitely have a chat guys get your comments coming in podcast at the b1m.com we want to know what you think of this 
it's that time guys funny comment of the week mr liam marsh what have you got for us all right so this is from luxury hub this is on uh ikea the ikea video so ikea's employees are just customers who never made it out which is fair. <laughs> a fair comment a fair comment i also have my just- own uh comments of the week if anyone else noticed like myself how many times fred says cars in the ikea video he actually says it 24 times 25 times throughout the whole video <laughs> in an eight minute video so if you ever want to have a, a drink drinking game just have a drink whenever fred says cars when you're watching the video and uh you're off to a good good start oh, that sounds like a sounds like a fun night out doesn't it we're, oh, we're going, okay guys we're gonna watch a fred Mills video and drink how many times oh man. But, but see Goodness. but see that's the whole thing though it, it was a concept about reducing cars so on purpose you added the word cars more so folks could understand like we want to we want to reduce that and yeah. we're all drunk off bushmills because we've definitely taken a shot every time you call. so i mean <laughs> i think it served its purpose personally yeah definitely maybe you could do that xcon you know mm-hmm. without me <laughs> <laughs> oh i feel so bad for you luke it's too, oh, it's too hot for you mate it's too hot for you here mate too hot look i've got the gregs it's all right it's all right. It's fine. <laughs> I'm good. I guess I should say, drink responsibly. Please don't do a shot every time I say cars because you will be extremely unwell. Um, and that was clearly, clearly obsessed me, mate, sitting there counting how many times I say cars, Wait, okay. watching on those cold nights on your own. I'll oh, stick a Fred Mel's video on for yeah, some that'll, that'll, that'll warm me up. Absolutely. You said it five times in the first 45 seconds. That's what my ears just picked up. I said, did you just say cars like over five times in the first like 45 <laughs> seconds? I was like, all right. So I started doing a tally and I, yeah, got up to 25. The video is about cars in our cities and about not driving to our tears. I'm, <laughs> I'm, sorry, I, I'm sorry I covered it well and in a comprehensive way. Great video, man. Um, great that video. comment about IKEA employees never making it out, that, that's, that's funny, isn't it? It, like, it is good. Just, people never found the exit. So true. So true. And, and you don't want to. That's the thing. Like when you leave, it's almost sad because it's like, no, I want to go back upstairs. And the funny thing, obviously here, b- you know, being in the States, it's just like, yeah, I need to get a new Sklarn and a new Kupflugan because it's like, you know, they use obviously the Sweden names. And so it's so funny. It's like, I have two Billies at the house and everyone's like, oh yeah, I love those. They fit vinyl records perfectly. I'm like, yep, I got two of those. So it's like, you start even knowing like the Swedish words. Like I love it. It's a whole, it's like a whole experience for sure. There's the moment when you get home and you realize that your house doesn't look as good as the showroom. And that never, thing you bought never. that looked great in the showroom does not look as good never. in your living room. Never, <laughs> never does. Anyway, now we're going to Luke Bly for some of your emails. Uh, what you got for us this week, Luke? Well, we got a really sweet email in the inbox from Fabio, who's in Vietnam at the moment. And he was listening to our podcast. He was listening to the most recent episode uh, while he was in Ho Chi Minh City. And he could see all of these skyscrapers around him, including the landmark 81 Tower, which, of course, is Vietnam's tallest building and Southeast Asia's second tallest building. He goes and says, the moment was magic. So instead of taking a video, I registered the screen of my phone so that your voices could be there too. Although I admit the video hasn't come out that great. I had to reduce the, resolu- <laughs> the resolution so that I could fit it into my email. Uh, for reference, I'm from Venice in Italy, but I'm in Vietnam on my summer holidays. Fabio. Oh, by the way, you went cheerio, Fabio. So Nice. 
That's sweet. What a sign off. So that's great. I know, right? I know. <laughs> it was it was so weird though. Like when when you think of like the podcast and there are these guys just walking around these cities and around the world, you're like, yeah, how cool is that? We might be in someone's ear right now. So <laughs> saying, the, saying the word cars, we yes. might be talking about. <laughs> 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 watching cars the pixar movie cars and just, no but that's to your point the the global reach that you guys have been able to establish to get an email like that is so cool like again it's putting construction on folks minds that maybe otherwise they wouldn't have and that's such a it's such a beautiful culture to, and, and business to be a part of so that's just further proof that globally you know folks are looking at that you know if we're Spot in your on. ears if we're in your ears right now and it's your morning commute i feel like i should say something or oh, you're traveling or you're doing a bit of DIY, I just want to say something inspirational. Like, we love you. Thank you for listening. You can do this. You've got this. You've got the talent inside you. You've got a great day ahead. Have a great day, wherever you may be. Wherever you're listening, just, yeah, go out and smash it today. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. You're good yeah. enough. You're smart enough. And doggone it, people like you. You've got yeah. it. Go someone get likes you. Yeah. Even Liam. Even Liam. Someone likes mm. Liam somewhere. Mm. My buddy. Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, guys, let us know what you thought about this episode. Let us know what you think of San Diego. Have you been to San Diego? If you've been to XCon, let us know what you thought about it. Tell us what you think about IKEA, about driverless IKEAs. What's the weirdest thing you've bought in IKEA? <laughs> 18 Blackfriars, the downtown circle. Should we have Mike back again? Has he, has he been a good guest or not? Just tell us br- in brutally honest terms. Please do. Um, and we'd, <laughs> Please and be we'd, brutally uh, honest. We'd love to. We'd love to hear from you. So, guys, as I said, this episode was sponsored by Bluebeam, which has been recorded live uh, from San Diego. It's been fabulous to have you here. Get your emails coming in. Podcast at the B1M.com, and we'll see you next week. Bye.